0: Sweet.
1: Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles today, turn over to the book of 1st, well, 2nd Timothy, 2nd Timothy chapter 2, 2nd Timothy chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse 1, read through verse 4. Again, if you look at our wall here in the front, you'll see it says, Fight the good fight. That's our theme for the year. And um, it's taken from 1st Timothy 6, 12. It says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, wherein thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Again, fight the good fight of faith. And... Again, that's our theme for the year. And throughout the year, we have revisited that theme on a number of occasions. First of all, in the spring, we focused on the idea of fight the good fight as a steward. Fight the good fight as stewards. And then we saw in the summer, fight the good fight as servants. And now, as we get into the fall season, we've begun a a new topic, fight the good fight as soldiers. And we began this last week, and we're going to continue it again Today And so let's go ahead and read from Second Timothy, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Again, the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to his son in the faith, Timothy. Again, we get the impression, the idea, of course, based on the fact that he calls him his son in the faith, that he was the man that God used to lead him to Christ. And um, so now Timothy is a young man in ministry. He is someone that has been entrusted responsibility. And the Apostle Paul is sharing with him some things that will ultimately exhort him and enable him to overcome difficult times in the ministry to be successful if you will in the ministry and so the books of 1st and 2nd Timothy are written to a man a young man versus uh, the older man who is his mentor saying okay now let me help you to be the minister of Christ that you need to be and also enable you to overcome the obstacles that you'll face in the ministry that you have certainly been given by God. And so now we have this man of faith, Paul, who has fought a good fight. According to 2 Timothy 4, verse 6 and 7, he says to Timothy, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. The Apostle Paul fought a good fight. He's not saying that he can judge his own work. He knows that God in heaven is the judge of his effort and his work. However, he says, I have fought a good fight, meaning I fought the right fight. I fought it the way God intended it to be fought. I did it God's way. And I made sure I wasn't sidetracked, distracted, or gotten away from the things that God said were most valuable and important. So I made sure it was a good fight. I could have fought about a lot of things in life, he says, but instead I chose to fight the fight that God wanted me to fight. And that, of course, is the fight against evil. And, of course, uh, the fight that he had as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul has fought that good fight. This veteran now in the christian life this veteran of spiritual warfare he writes to timothy seeking to encourage him and inspire him to do the same and so we learned a few things from the passage where we said we're going to first of all we noted in the passage the bible says in verse 3 as we noted thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of jesus christ we said the first thing you need to do if you're going to fight a good fight if you're going to be the kind of soldier god wants you to be we said determination was necessary it was needed you have to be determined You have to endure. You have to stand. And so last week we discussed that aspect of determination. Today we want to continue and we want to start with that next phrase where he goes on to say, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. We see not only the determination, verse 3, but now we see the dedication. A dedication to a particular cause, the cause of Christ. And finally we said come next week, We're going to consider this next aspect. He says here in verse 4, the latter part of the verse, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. We see the desire of the soldier now. You have to have the right desire. So as a soldier of Jesus Christ, you need determination, dedication, and desire. And so we're going to note those. And today we want to focus our attention on this aspect of dedication or devotion because that is a necessary element in each and every believer's life if we're going to be the soldiers in Jesus Christ that we need to be. And so without further ado, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll continue this morning. Father, we love you and we do thank you once again for your son Jesus Christ and for just the sacrifice that he made on Calvary on our behalf. Lord, we are truly a needy people. We understand and recognize that we have no righteousness in and of ourselves. If we have any righteousness, it's because of your righteousness that's been given to us because of our faith in your son, Jesus. Oh, God, help us now today to wear that righteousness as you would have us. May we be the soldiers that you would have us to be in your army. Help us, Father, to stand for you, to live for you, and to serve you in a way that honors you and glorifies you. Now, Father, today as we discuss this aspect of dedication, Father, may you help us to just be able to drive it home in our hearts. May we leave here understanding (laughs) the need for it, and then, Father, a way to accomplish that. Now, Lord, again, we love you. We pray for your leadership today. And fill me with your spirit. May I, Father, just be your mouthpiece today. Oh God of heaven, I have nothing at all to offer your people except you give it to me today. And, Father, may you help them to be equally filled that they may hear with spiritual ears and receive gladly the word of God. We'll thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As we look at this aspect of dedication, we define the word dedication. Um, the word dedicated means devoted, to a divine being, to a sacred use, consecrated, appropriated, given holy to. Given holy to W-H O O O L L Y, completely to. So we see here devoted, and in the sense of the Bible aspect of it, is to be devoted to a divine being, which would be God, of course, we know. And to 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 a sacred use, consecrated, appropriated, given holy to. The Bible says, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Now, there's a word there that stands out as well. Yes, we want to be dedicated, but this, there, there seems to be a word that stands between us being dedicated to God and not being dedicated to God or being dedicated to God. It's that word entangle. What does it mean to be entangled? Well, the, Bible, the, the, the Webster Dictionary says to twist or intertwine, interweave in such a manner as not to be easily separated, to make confused or disordered. To twist or interweave in such a manner as not to be easily separated, to make confused or disordered. I have here a an extension cord. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I, from time to time, will need an extension cord. And... Uh, you know, you may have used extension cords. Now, I don't know. You know, there's, there's ways to roll them up and all of that good stuff, right? But let's face it. When you pull one of these out of your garage or you, you pull one out of the closet, you know, it just seems like it's never right. Okay, so today we're going to use this today. We're going to try to learn something today from the Bible. And again, I'm going to ask uh, Nate, why, oh, would you like to help me out today? Well, you come on up then if you'd like to help me out. That sounds good. He's volunteering even. All right. All right, tell you what. I want you to stand in this mic right here. And I want, you, I want you to get some juice on this mic right here. And I want you to tell everybody your full name.
0: My full name is Nicholas Ryan Boggess.
1: Say that one more time.
0: My full name is Nicholas Ryan Boggess.
1: I like it. All right, you can shut that one off again. Tell you what, let's stick with Nicholas. All right, okay, so here we go. Nicholas. I have here an extension cord, and what I want you to do is I want you to stretch that extension cord out, right? Would you go down there and start stretching that out for me the best you can? Just go ahead and stretch that out real quick. And so we have an extension cord, and and again, the Bible says uh, that no man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Okay, he's, he's having a little bit of trouble there. You can stop right there for just a second, Nicholas. Just stay right there, would you please, for just a moment. I'll I, I tell you what, can you bring that up here, that... Of cord, yeah. Just bring that on up here, okay? Just go ahead and lay it down there. That's good. Very good. So Nicholas, he has he has this uh, cord up here, and, and he started working on. It. He started pulling it through, and all of that. It was kind of entangled. It was kind of uh, intertwined, wasn't it? I mean, it's kind of it's all messed up, right? And and so the Bible the Bible's pretty clear here. It says, "No man that entangle entangleth himself." with the affairs of the life. So, that word entangled, as we said again, has to do with the fact that it's interweaved in such a manner that it's not easily separated. You know, it's, it's confused, it's disordered. Um, and so, we see that. Now, what does that word affairs mean then? In the passage as well, he says, simply, no man at war entangled himself with something, with the affairs of this life, he says. Now, what does that word affairs mean? Well, when you look that up, and again, I'm using a Webster's 1828, I believe it is, and it says, it says there, affairs, business of any kind, that which is done or is to be done. Business of any kind, that which is done or is to be done. So if we take it then, the affairs of this life, if we take that and we say the affairs of this life, it means business to be done in the world and with the world. It's business that has to be done in the world and with the world. Okay, I mean, it's it's business of any kind, but it's, he says, affairs of this life. Well, let's face it, in this life we deal with the world, we deal with this life. So it's, it's any kind of a thing that needs to be done in this life or in this world and this life. Okay, so what the Bible's teaching us is then is that the soldier, the soldier of Christ, cannot be entangled with or preoccupied with What's going on back home? So, like the soldier when he's he's in battle, he's he's on the battlefield. He can't be concerned and worried about what's going on in the world back there or in his life back home. He, he can't be worried about that. If he's going to be an effective soldier, he has to be able to focus on the battle at hand. He has to be able to focus on what's going on right where he's at in the warfare that he's fighting. He can't allow his mind to drift. He can't allow himself to be preoccupied with, wonder what's going on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon with my wife. I wonder what's going on. And here he is walking through the jungle, or he's going through the desert, or here he is occupying a a city or something, taking on, storming a city, and he's thinking about what's going on back home. The Bible says that that soldier, that soldier's not going to be very effective because the soldier, he doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. We are soldiers in a spiritual battle. We are soldiers in the cause of Christ. Amen. And the Bible tells us that we need to be dedicated. We need to be devoted. Even as the soldier in real life, this world, we too are real soldiers in a spiritual battle. We must be careful that we don't get entangled, intertwined too deeply with this life in this world. It's confusion. When we get tangled up with the affairs of this life, we are rendered useless to God. See, this cord right now, all tangled up, is useless. It serves no purpose. I needed to stretch across the room. I needed to power something that's on the other side. Otherwise, I could have just plugged that piece or that that instrument into the wall. But no, I needed an extension cord. But this thing's all tangled up. It is of no value to me now. It's all tangled up. And that's exactly what happens in our lives as believers. If we're not careful, we get all tangled up with the world. And therefore, we become useless or unable to accomplish anything on behalf of God. You can have a seat for just a moment. I'll get right back to you. We're going to need you in a minute. Let me say this is one of the devil's strategies to get us entangled in the affairs of this life. So let's let's find out now. Let's list some areas that would be considered the affairs of this life then. Let's just do that. I'm going to need some help today. I need your help. I want you to tell me what are considered, would be considered some of the affairs of this life, just business in this life. Business in this life. Do we have somebody on this side? I'm sorry, I need a hand. Yeah? Work, okay. Work or livelihood. Okay, work. I mean, that's an affair of this life, is it not? Would anybody disagree with that? You say, I disagree. You're not going to say it now because everybody's going... But, but, okay, so work is, and, and you're correct. You're correct. Uh, another one, maybe from this, this group here. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, parenting. Parenting, okay. Or child care. Yeah, because, you know, you may be taking care of a child. Very good. Child, child, no care. Okay. Anybody? Uh, someone in this room. This, yeah. Okay. Uh, dealing with, when we say social media, what, what do we use it for? Entertainment, okay, entertainment, okay, very good. Okay, so entertainment, that's the affairs of this life. And and the, the, the tool that we use for that would be social media. Um, we we have, uh, we had the front row, yeah. Okay, so, uh, so the affairs of this world would be, that's kind of entertainment or uh, leisure maybe, pleasure, leisure. I'm just going to go that way. Okay, yeah, yeah. Our, our health—we get consumed. Yeah, our health—that's a, a real affair. That's something we have to be concerned about in the back. Okay, schooling, education. Okay, coming back this way a little bit, because we, we hit a few there. We got right there. Oh, okay. Um, current events, current events, maybe. Yeah, and and what's going on around us politically? Yeah over here okay finances and we talked about work but yeah of course finances themselves become issues obviously very good okay um, well we're getting a bunch of them now yeah vacation. oh boy I like vacation okay. vacation yeah okay alright um, maybe maybe another one over here I saw a hand earlier and probably got taken already okay we're, we're running on some things though here we've got a bunch of things here uh, anybody else over here Oh wow, friends, that's a good one. Yeah, those are affairs of this world. I mean, we got relationships, we got issues going, family, friends. Yeah, family. Okay. Yeah, I had to ruin it for you, didn't I? Okay, very good. Okay, so we've got we've got work, um, we've got um, schooling, we've got hel- our health. You know, uh, taking care of ourselves, our health, and those kind of things. We've got leisure. We've got entertainment. We've got parenting and, and caring for children. We've got friends and family. We've got vacations and finances. We've got, um, I can't read my writing there, but we've got a number of things that we, we say are the affairs of this life. And you know what? Those are all true. Are they not? Those are things that we have to face. We have to deal with on a regular basis. And, and someone says, I know, I know, but what are you trying to say? I'm not trying to say anything. I'm just asking what the affairs of life are. That's all, that's all I'm saying. I, I'm not, I've said nothing yet. i I'm not trying to yet. But my point being is is that those are the the things that would be considered the affairs of this life. Now, everything but sin has a place in the believer's life. Okay? Everything but sin has a place in the believer's life. Okay? We're not going to argue that. We're not going to dispute that. We we understand family has a place in the believer's life. Uh, uh, Caring for your children, obviously, Uh, you know has a place in our life. Um, We we know even vacation has a place in our life. I mean, it's important that we can get a break from the the routine and and the monotony of life. We understand that, and it's good. Finances, absolutely, have a place. We definitely have to be concerned, and we need to handle things so forth and so on the way God says, and our health is important, even leisure, all of these issues, entertainment even, there's nothing wrong with that. Everything, if it's not sinful, it has a place. Now, again, understand, I mean, if you consider pleasure doing something, or, or, I mean, leisure something that is contrary to God's word, then, of course, that doesn't belong in the Christian's life, of course. But, but we're talking about something that isn't sinful, then it has, a, it has a, its place in the Christian life. And we will concede to that, and we understand that. I want you, however, to note the delicate balance. Take your Bible, look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, though. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 breaks it down a little bit more and says, Now, wait a second. It may have its place, but let's be very careful. So here's what we're going to see now about these things, uh, you know, even this issue of the affairs of this life. Because the affairs of this life aren't necessarily wrong, of course. You know, they have their place, and it's needful, necessary. But notice what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with race, uh, patience the race that is set before us. So let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. In this particular passage, the Christian life is pictured as a race opposed to a warfare. Okay, now earlier in our passage in Timothy, we saw the Christian life is likened to a wa- warfare. We are soldiers, but in this case, it's a race. And in this particular race... We notice here that there's going to be some, a distinction made between weights and sin. There's a distinction. He makes that distinction. Now, there are some things, those things that are clearly wrong. Without a doubt, they're called sin. We know that those don't belong in the Christian life. We've already established that. We understand that. Biblically, he makes it clear that we are to lay aside the sin, which just so easily beset us. But he also knows this word weight. This word weight. Now again, here we have a runner. And this runner here is running a race. And the believers likened unto a runner running a race. And we want to finish that race. We want to win the victory. We want to win the crown. We want to finish, not only start good, we want to finish strong. But he says you better be careful because not only do you have to be careful about sin in your life, but you have to be careful about these weights. Weights. Wait a second. If I'm a runner and I'm trying to win a race and I'm carrying weights around, that's probably not very smart, is it? I mean, if I'm trying to run a 100-yard dash and, and I say, you know what, let's just make it fun. Give me a 5-pound weight in each pocket and let's see how fast I run. Do you think he'll run as fast with the 10 pounds in his pockets as he would without the 10 pounds in the pocket? Absolutely not. If he was, if he was stripped down, he just had his shoes on, he had his, his, his modest shorts on, and he had his, his shirt on, and he goes, boom, takes off on the gun, boom. Takes off and probably like me, you know, a 9 foot, 9, 7 or something, 500 meter or something. Okay, maybe not quite that fast for me. But anyway, he really flies, okay? He just flies down the... But wait, he puts 10 pounds in his pocket. Does he fly faster or slower? <laughs> he's, he may not be flying anymore. He might be cruising. But then he puts five more pounds in each fly Now he's got 20 pounds on him and he takes off. Boom! How's that going to affect his time? How's that going to affect his race? Slows him down even more now. Every time he adds weight, it slows him down. Now, the Bible doesn't say that putting the weights in the pocket are sin. The Bible doesn't tell us that the weights are sin in and of themselves. But wait a second. The goal is to run the race, and the goal is to run as fast as we can, to win the race, to ultimately honor God, to come in with many crowns to lay at His feet one day. So in a sense now, not only sins become a problem and beset us, but also the weights beset us. Well, the weights that are spoken of in Hebrews chapter 12 are the very same things that it's talking about in 2 Timothy 2.3 when it says, No man at worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. See, the affairs of this life aren't necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but they can become a problem if we allow them to entangle us and keep us from focusing on the battle that God has given us to fight if they keep us from running the race that God intends us to run. So what do we need to do then? You telling me, preacher, are you, are you implying that sometimes work could be an entanglement and keep me from being the soldier God wants me to be? Yeah. Are you trying to imply that even my own family could be an entanglement, a weight that would slow me down, impede me from accomplishing the calling of God in my life? Yes. Are you implying that providing for my family just might be an entanglement? It could be. I'm not saying it is. and In and of itself, it's not. But hold on a second. We're going to need to do a few things then. We need to make sure that they're not. I'm sure that today you and I, neither one of us, want to find ourselves in a position where we're not honoring God with our life, our lips. We want to make sure that everything we do is on, uh, you know, blessing ground, so to speak. So what do we need to do? Well, let's first of all recognize recognize your entanglements. If we're going to be dedicated, we're going to be devoted to God, then we need to recognize our entanglements. So here's the question today. What has entangled you or slows you down when it comes to obeying, serving, and living for God? What's slowed you down? What's entangled you? What's kept you from being as useful as God would have you to be for Him? Can you, you think with me now for a moment? This isn't what has slowed the preacher down today. Isn't what slowed your husband down or your wife down. The question is today, recognize or the point is recognize your entanglements. Is there anything in your life that has kept you from fully wholly giving yourself to God? Because that's what dedication is. What slowed you down? Anything? Let, let's, let's just take a moment and not think. Just no, no speaking. Let's just think for that for just a moment. Anything come to mind? You say nothing because I wouldn't let myself think. If you did that consciously, it's because you know there are things that do. Now, hold on. You must recognize your entanglement. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own know ye not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Again, there's a whole element there doctrinally being dealt with. But examine yourselves. It's very clear as believers we're to examine ourselves on a number of occasions, a number of situations. The runner. Examine yourself, sir. Are there any weights in your life that are going to keep you from, from accomplishing the, 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 the mission that God's given you or running the race as God would have you to run it? Is there anything, soldier, that would entangle you and keep you from focusing your attention on the battle at hand that would cause you to be distracted and turn you aside from the battle? Someone's already said, well, I already don't like where this is going. I'm upset a little bit already because I know God wants me to do Hold on, we're going to get to that. We will cover that. You're, not, you're ahead of me, but you haven't, you haven't left me in the dust yet. We'll touch on it. We're getting there. Number two, not only recognize your entanglements, got to find out what they are. What's slowing you down? I didn't ask, what do you think's right or wrong yet? Someone says, huh. Well, let me give you an example. Anybody ever have a child and it keeps them from serving the Lord from then on? That's an entanglement, my friend. Something God gave you, then you even use that to keep you from being faithful to God. I can't read my Bible no more, preacher. That kid drives me nuts. I can't pray anymore, Lord. Sorry, it's that kid you gave me. Or some guy comes along and says, you know, if I didn't have this wife, I could really be used of God. You don't think stuff like that happens all the time? This job I have, you know, it's just a, it's just tough, you know. And I have to provide for my family, so it's too bad. I just. Too bad, I just can't go to church, can't do those things anymore. I wish I could serve the Lord, but you know, right now I have to serve my family. Entanglement. A weight. Didn't say that serve, providing for your family is a sin. No, that's something you're required to do and responsible, gentlemen. But hold on a second. By the same token, we better be careful here. We're going to get to it. Trust me, I'm going to get to it. I need your help. Come on up. We need to repent of our entanglement. Go ahead and bring the... Wonderful cord up. Repent. Now notice what has to happen here. Come on up. It's going to be kind of tough. We're going to have you stay on this side this time. Go ahead and start trying to just stretch that out all the way there. Okay, don't put your back to the crowd. They need to see this. This is so important. Oh, oh, oh. Look at that. Every time he turns around, he's got to fix one entanglement at a time. See see what he's doing? Stop right there for just a second. He'll go stretch it out But the problem is he can't stretch it out There's too many entanglements It's too tangled up It's too intertwined So what do you have to do? One at a time he has to pull that through One at a time he has to untangle that So you know what happens? The world gets its grip on us And sometimes we don't even recognize it You know what starts to happen in our own life? We start to think that this is actually the way everybody lives This is normal This is normal to be entangled It's like, that's how it is. You can't help it. That's just life, man. Every cord I grab is tangled up. And so what we do, we just accept it as life. We say, well, that's just the way the Christian life is. Everybody's entangled. Everybody's got weights in their pocket. Everybody's slowing down. It's just life. That's what we do. Hold on. Go ahead and hold on to that. That thing's too heavy for me. So the world gets its grip on us, and then... We get bound by the affairs of this life. They strangle us. They cut off our heavenly supply of air that ultimately refreshes us as believers. They they choke us spiritually. And like I said, then we automatically begin to grow into this idea, Ah, that's normal. Obviously, if I struggle, then everybody's having a hard time. Everybody's entangled. Everybody's gasping for air spiritually. But God would not have any of us to do that. God wants us all free to serve Him. God wants us all in a position to fight the battle, to run the race. The greatest temptation in all of this mess that we're talking about, and it's a very uncomfortable subject, I understand that. But but the greatest temptation in this whole process is to justify our entanglements. To justify them. I mean, I know what the Bible says, preacher. I I know you read it. You didn't stutter when you read it. I heard it, no man that warth entangled himself with the affairs of this life. I'm a soldier. I shouldn't be entangled with the world. And I understand I shouldn't have weights as a runner. I know all that. But that's justification right there. There's justification now. But the word but means justified in what I'm going to tell you next and why I do what I do. In spite of what the God's word says. We say to ourselves things like this Well, I have to provide a certain standard of living for my family. I must provide a certain level of comfort and security. I must ensure that my children have the best opportunity to succeed possible. And that means providing for them with, providing for them with, you can put anything you want in there now. Anything you want in there. Hold on a second we convince ourselves that not only we, but God would have us view life this way. Surely God feels the way I do. He's the one that told me I have to do this, 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 and this. And so therefore, I'm justified. I'm just doing what God said to do, preacher. And if I can't go to church, I can't read my Bible, I can't pray like God intended, I can't serve the Lord, I can't witness for Christ, I can't have a good spirit for the Lord Jesus, that's too bad because I'm fulfilling... (laughs) the word of God. I'm doing what God said. And I'm fine. I'm just not a radical, fanatical nutcase like some of you are. I've got a little more balance in my life. We justify our entanglement. Let me ask, the only question I want to ask is are you fighting the battle? Are you running the race? I want to know that. Now, let's get there because that's where every one of us ought to be to start with. Now, is there anything keeping you from fighting the battle? Anything keeping you from running the race? Because if you do, if if it's keeping you from the battle, guess what? You're entangled. If it's keeping you from the race, you're weighed down. And it may not be a sin in and of itself, but it becomes one when we allow it to keep us from the will, the work, and the way of God. You say, preachers, your hand hurting? No, that's why I didn't hit this wood right there. I knew better than that. I've done that a few times, and I broke the pulpit, so I didn't want to do it again. But anyway, you say, wait a second now. Okay, Kmart. How many of you remember Kmart's blue light specials? Remember old Kmart? I used to love going to Kmart when I was a kid. It was fun then. It's not as fun anymore. It used to be really fun. You go to Kmart, you know, and, and you, you go there to the, to, the, to the big, and there's all that good stuff there. There was all kinds of stuff you could buy and purchase and look at. It was awesome, Kmart, you know, years and years ago. Okay, now I'm not saying it's not good now, so please, I'm not making a political statement here. But anyway, I'm just saying that, that, that in those days it was fun. And then when you're out there, you're looking at things, and next thing you know, you see this blue light. And you're like, I mean, it's a blue light. It's drawing your attention. You're like, what in the world's on special? Because they they put the blue light up. There was a blue light special. Drew your attention away from what you were at, and you're like, you know, felt like one of those dogs that's pointing, you know. And so you take off, and you're like, what's what's on special? What's happening here? I mean, because you're interested. You want to know what's going on at blue light special. Drew your attention. God has a principle in the Word of God that cannot be forgotten or neglected. It's His blue light special. And no matter what we get involved in in this world, no matter what draws our attention, no matter what stands out in our minds, no matter what keeps us intrigued in this world and in this life, the blue light goes off. And it points to Matthew 22. Turn there if you would, please. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 through 38. You're doing a great job up here. I think this young man needs something here. Let me see what I got here. I think you need to buy a triple cheese meal from McDonald's. There you go. I think he he deserves a triple cheese after all this work. He's going to be so wore out. That's $4, triple cheese meal. Get the change off of whoever brought you for the tax. You can go ahead and drop that now. Have your seat. Give him a hand. He did a great job. Now notice this passage. What's it say? Matthew 22:36 through 38. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Here's the blue light special. You see it? God's drawing attention to it. Jesus said unto him, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment." Hey, listen. Go ahead. Point to any any verse you want in the Bible. And say, this justifies why I am turning my back on the things of God. And the blue light special goes off. And God says, beep, 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 beep. And we go, what? Love the Lord thy God with all thy... Need I say any more? There's no justification for neglecting God's word. There's no justification for neglecting God's work. There's no justification for neglecting God's will in our life. No justification whatsoever. It is simply an entanglement with the affairs of this life. It's just like this cord rendered useless because we're so bound by the world in our life. So entangled. Do we all war with it to some degree or another? Yes. Does that mean it makes it okay? No. Because the blue light special is still going off. And God's always directing our attention to that one truth. When all else fails, remember. When everything falls apart in your life, remember. Love me. Love me. Love me. No matter what goes on. No matter what tries to gain your attention. No matter what glitters of like gold. Just keep your focus on me. I'm the key. And I'm most important to you and ought to be of all things. God never, ever, ever asks you to choose between two God-given responsibilities. You never have to make that choice. Someone says, well, so you mean that I have to choose God or my family then? No, God says that you're to provide for your family, meet the needs of your family, and still love Him, serve Him, and follow Him. You're to do both. You say, well, there's a lot of other things I've got to try to juggle. That's okay then. Get your, get your priorities straight. The first one's the blue light special here. First love him. Then you guess what? Then you can love everyone else the way you're supposed to love and you put things in their proper place. The problem is we're out of balance today because we fail to understand the blue light special. We don't get it in our mind what comes first and who comes first. And because of that, everything else does. Finally, last, and I have to close here. No man that worth entangles himself with the affairs of this life. We've already said that we need to recognize our entanglements. We said we need to repent of our entanglements. One at a time, deal with them. If we know something's causing us to, to be entangled, keeping us from the warfare, the battle God's given us to fight and wage, something's keeping us from running the race that we ought to run effectively as we should, then that needs to go. Or it needs to be realigned Put in its proper place in our life. And last, remember your entanglements. You say, what do you mean by that? Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He takes us right back to the garden. We go to the garden and we say, Who's, who, who is this creature, this, this uh, uh, serpent in the garden? He is none other than Satan. And he is more subtle, which, which means he's, he's extremely deceptive. And he's able to wield and w- his way into our lives. He's able to do and say things in a way that catches us off guard. Don't forget how sly and subtle Satan is. Never forget that. And the very things that you have broken away from or became free and, and, and how you become free, he will use those same things again at times to, stumble, to get you to stumble again. I recently read just this morning how um, Asa in the Old Testament was faced by uh, the Ethiopians. A million soldier army came against, Ju- came against Judah. God delivered them from a million man army. 25 years later, another army, Israel, Judah and Israel split now. Israel comes against Judah. What does he do? He calls a heathen nation up and says, We need your help. Can you give us a hand? See, the first time, he wasn't entangled with the world. The first time, he was looking to God. God, I love you with all my heart, my soul. I don't need anyone but you. You can deliver us. You are able. You can do all things. 25 years later, the same obstacle was thrown in his pathway again this time he turned to the world you know he only lived 3 more years after that and god did not condone his actions matter of fact god reproved him for it he said did i not deliver you from that million man army did i not give you victory 25 years ago yes then why did you turn to the world and get entangled with them. See, the devil used the same thing again. And that time it worked. He's so subtle. And I'm sure that Asa, like anybody else, went, Oh man, we can't do it. We can't do it. We need help. We can't trust God on this one. Maybe you've been there. I know I have at times in my life. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. But well, we've got to be so careful. Don't forget those areas that God reveals to you, those entanglements that you ultimately repent of, that you get straight and put in their proper place. Don't allow yourself to forget how the Lord delivered you from them and how he met your need and provided for you and your family in spite of what the world says you have to do to make that happen today. Because I promise you, the devil is subtle. And he will come back and try to throw something like that or some variation of it in your lap again and cause you to be entangled all over again. The Christian life is not meant to be lived like this. We're not to be entangled with the world. We're to be free from the world so that we can fight the warfare that God's given us. We can fulfill the purpose that He's intended for our lives so that we can accomplish what God wants for us and be blessed as God intends. Maybe you're lost today. You've never even trusted Christ as your Savior. If you died today, you don't even know for sure where you'd spend eternity, let alone... Whether you're entangled with the world, that's not even the issue. Right now you have to settle the first thing. You need to know without a doubt heaven's your home. You must be saved. You must be born again, as the Bible says. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. In in John chapter 3 verse 7, the fact is you need Christ as your Lord. You need Christ as your Savior. You need to say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I don't deserve to go to heaven because I am not perfect, but you are and I'll never be able to get there on my own. I need your son and his sacrifice on Calvary. I need the blood that was shed on that cross to wash my sin away. Oh, Lord, be my Savior. Oh, God, come into my life. Oh, Lord Jesus, I beg you to take me to heaven one day when it's my time. But, Lord, I need you as my Savior today. Boy, you need to settle that first and foremost. Get Christ in your life and then give Christ your life. Father, we come to you.